The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Party people! What is good? Danny Bietti here, your host, along with my co-host, as always, my friend, Will Middlebrooks, the World Series champion. What's good, Will Middlebrooks? We, every week I, I laugh harder and harder at your intro. <laughs> I gotta get, I gotta keep it fresh. Like I can't just say, "What's good?" Uh, gotta like, it's, what is good? it's pretty you know? funny. No, I get it. You gotta do something, but it just uh, every week I'm like, I'm not gonna laugh. I'm not gonna laugh. I love Danny. I'm not laughing at you. Yeah, I am laughing at you. It's funny, but it's who you are and it's who we are, and we're gonna have some fun today. For the longest time, my legacy was wearing a diaper around the state capitol building, and so I am. <laughs> manifest I'm, I'm trying to change that i want something new i want a new hour aura and this is uh, it okay this is it yeah so we're gonna do a mailbag session today and we also have along with the mailbag session we're gonna have padres general manager aj preller joining the show which is i'm pumped for because this guy has been really at the forefront of everything that's gone on this offseason yeah everybody wants to know what is going on in san diego because they're doing all the right moves. They're making all the right decisions. AJ is going to tell us how that process is going. So that's, I'm pumped for that one. As for news in Major League Baseball, Cactus League asked Major League Baseball to possibly suspend spring training or at least the start of spring training. Oh, boy. It's a bit complicated uh, for more reasons than one. And you can probably explain that a little bit better than me. I am just confused a little bit by it. I know where we're at as a country right now with the pandemic and the numbers and all that, but the Coyotes are having games and they have fans. They're indoors. The basketball team has limited fans there, I believe. Uh, they're in Phoenix. So why can't you just do it with no fans? You don't have to suspend the season. I don't know. This starts, I try not to go down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories in baseball and you know i'm very pro player like does this now they trying to delay the season until there's more vaccines so you can have more fans which is more revenue which means they're not paying the players out of their own pockets as much like that's i don't know you didn't don't don't call me crazy i i know i'm a little crazy but i don't know something just seems weird with it because other teams are playing there. So just do it with no fans. Right? Am I am I completely nuts for thinking this way? No, you're not. You're not crazy. That's why it gets complicated. And we could you you mentioned that. We could talk about COVID all day. All that's the bad. there's there's double standards involved. And hey, I'm not the guy that's gonna stand up here and say COVID's not a real thing. It's a real freaking thing. I'm not right. guy. But there are some complicated issues at hand. And one of those is now coming to the forefront with Major League Baseball. Jeff Passon did say, look, this isn't going to affect a VSPN. Did say that it's not going to affect the start of spring training. Everyone's saying right now, Ken Rosenthal tweeted this too, um, that spring training is probably going to start on time. So this might just be a little bit of a bump in the road, a little bit of a scare. Another scare in Major League Baseball that people really want answers to is no universal DH. Uh, Major League Baseball, uh, the owners in the MLBPA did not come to agreement. Mm -hmm. On Universal DH and we'll talk. Shocking, right? Well, it's just going on too long. I mean, the season's 
a couple months away. And we, Marcel, well, it comes down. Look, there's a whole lot of different variables here at play. Universal DH. I honestly think both sides want it. Uh, There's going to be a bargaining chip with the new CBA coming up after the season, which pray to God, it's not a mess, but it looks like the negotiations are going to be ugly. Hopefully not. We'll see. But it just having the universal DH, I think just somewhat changes teams payrolls a little bit because, you know, and I tweeted that it adds a job. It doesn't exactly add a job. It just changes a job. So you're not going to, most teams are going to bring in a bopper for that or use a bopper, a guy that slugs, uh, hits for power. That tends to fit the the shape of a DH. So that guy is normally like Nelson Cruz, these guys, Ozuna, like these guys who are on the free agent market right now who haven't signed. There's some NL teams waiting for them to pull the, you know, the, the, not the plug, but hit the switch and say, we're going to have a DH in the NL. And then those guys are going to sign most likely. Which All right. is a so, big reason why the free agency market is moving so slow. Because if I'm Nelson Cruz, I'm waiting to see how many offers are on the table because exactly. he might get a little bit more money if he waits a little longer. No, for sure. And 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 part of this decision and the, the negotiations is because the owner said, we'll give you the universal DH if we can have expanded playoffs. And the players turned it down because you bring in expanded playoffs now free agency teams aren't going to be as aggressive to be as good. So they're not going to overpay for players to bring them to get them extra wins when you can possibly make the playoffs with a 500 record. We saw it last year with the Astros. Like teams limped into the postseason because of the expanded system. You don't have to go out and spend the big bucks to get in the playoffs. You just have to be hot at the right time to go deep into the playoffs and have good pitching. Really? Nationals. So that's another reason the union turned it down because it's going to affect the way guys are paid in, in the free agent market. I think it just sucks for fans because it seems like baseball fans, not only are they losing, not only is major league baseball losing touch with their fans. You know, we could talk about blackout games. We could talk oh. about all kinds of different things. It seems like fans talk as much about stuff outside of the game as they do stuff within the game. You don't see that with the NBA NFL. We're talking about, Things that happen in a game, you know, NFL playoffs. We're talking about how Matt LaFleur shouldn't have kicked the field goal. We're talking about in-game stuff. Whereas baseball fans, it seems like half the time we're constantly saying, oh, why did Manfred do this? Why, why is Major League Baseball deciding not to do the universal DH? And this is bad. This is what we mean by it's bad for baseball. We don't talk about the game enough. We talk about everything that happens behind those closed doors because there's no transparency. Right. And we don't hold anybody accountable in this league. And this is why this is everything that's wrong with baseball or, or everything that's going wrong with baseball, at least recently. Well, the union and the owners use social media against each other. That's why we're, that's why you hear everything and you don't hear it with the other sports with CBA negotiations and all that. So, um, like I said, hopefully the CBA, we get through it. Um, it's not that big of a deal. It doesn't turn too many people away from the game because we saw how players versus owners <laughs> uh, before last season with COVID and all that turned a lot of people off the game. So hopefully they, you know, I, I said this yesterday uh, to my wife and they're, everyone's looking out for themselves. Players are looking out for the players. Owners looking out for the owners. But who's looking out for the good of the game? That No one. Everybody's looking for more money in their pocket. It's it's pushing people away from the game. And at the end of the day, that means less revenue for everyone. Yeah. So they need to figure this out and figure it out quick because I'm getting sick of it. I couldn't agree more. So we mentioned we're going to have a mailbag day. We asked you all on social media what, uh, what questions you guys had for us. And uh, thank you to all those who did submit questions on Twitter. We're going to answer as many of those as we can. Of course, I mentioned we're going to have AJ Preller coming up in uh, about 10, 15 minutes here too. Uh, so got a lot of action for you today. Let's start it off with this one here. Who is your favorite guest? Uh, this was submitted by one of our Twitter users. Who is your favorite guest so far um, on this show? Oh boy, can I, I give you, can I give you two? Fine. 
it's 2021. You get a participation trophy. You get however many you want, Brooksy. Uh, well, there's two because they're two different. Okay. I have Marcus Stroman, yes, uh, who was so insightful um, on his training regimen and how he goes about his business in the off season. Even like gave us a little view into his mind and his his uh just the way he views himself as a pitcher and it's you don't have many opportunities you get to tap into some of the best pitchers in the league into their mind and how they go about their business so that was cool and then ken rosenthal (laughs) i mean arguably the best reporter of baseball he's a goat when it comes to reporting baseball and reporting news and he made time for us and he came on and, and and talked about hall of fame voting and where it's at and how he, you know, he's contemplating maybe not even voting anymore, which I thought was like, it, that kind of blew my mind because it's it's an honor, like he said, to, to be able to vote, but with social media and the backlash for your votes, he's just sick of it. Uh, I, I just thought that was a really interesting conversation. We had a lot of, we had a, we've had a lot of really good guests, but those are my two favorites. I like this. I like those selections. I, I really liked Chris Rose. For more reasons than one, I'm not going to make him my favorite, though, just because I'm kind of a fanboy when it comes to players, and so I have to pick a player. <laughs> I really liked talking with Justin Upton. Yeah. When he told us that Shohei Otani is the greatest, I didn't say greatest, the, quote, most talented player he's ever seen, that blew my mind. Yeah. And I knew, I've heard different stories about Jay Up. I've heard he's a good dude. I heard he does a lot of things for his community. Um everything in between and i never got to meet him when i got to meet him and have we had that conversation with him i got to know just up in the person that guy's a better person than he is than he is a, uh, a player and that was cool side note justin upton was in my wedding party i think you know that but our viewers don't very close friend of mine we played together in san diego got super close our our wives got close so uh he came on the show not because he was excited to talk to us, but because I made him <laughs> and he's one of my buddies, but yeah, he gave us some really cool stuff and that was a, that was a fun interview for sure. We're better for it. So another question that this, this one's going to really surprise you. Who would have thought of this outrageous, crazy question? Where's Trevor Bauer going to go? What a oh. wild question that is. Nobody's asking this question. I got it narrowed down. I think the whole world has it narrowed. Down. Well, maybe not. I would, I'm saying angels, or the Mets. I think the Mets are just Steve Cohen's going for it right here, right now. He's not necessarily planning too far down the road other than the next two years. I could see him landing Bauer. Mm-hmm. They have enough cap space, I feel like, to make it happen. Um, I can't imagine him in, in that um, in that rotation, especially with a healthy center guard, uh, DeGrom, Stroman. Uh, it just, the list goes on and on on how, how good they are. So if they add Bauer, they're automatically like World Series, I don't know, favorites, but they're in the top three probably. Yeah. Yeah. You could make the case that they're definitely the favorite in the NL East, even over Atlanta, even though Atlanta was able to add Charlie Morton. I would like him go to, to the Angels, though. From day one, I've been saying the Angels are my pick. But and so the reasoning behind that is he's a Cali boy, right? Uh, he's uh, Bauer. He's from LA. Yeah, he went to UCLA. Um, when we had his agent Rachel Luba on, she said his main like reason for picking a play a place to play is his own happiness. Mm-hmm. Which that I keep hearing that in my head. Why would you not want to play at home with did, a lineup like that with run support like that? I understand the Mets and they're hot right now. The Padres they're hot right now. They're going to win right now. I don't know if the Angels are going to have enough other pitching outside of Bauer to be contenders. They have the offense. Their offense has one of the highest ceilings in the league. Um, you add Bauer, obviously they're a lot better, but he only plays every fifth day. Mm-hmm. So they're if they added, you know, maybe one more good arm, then maybe that persuades him to go that way. But right now, I think he wants to go to the Mets. Yeah, I, I could really see it go either way. And keep in mind, this is strictly speculation because we've talked with, you mentioned, we talked with Rachel, we've talked with Ken Rosenthal, we've talked with anyone you could possibly talk to within this business. Nobody knows where Trevor Bauer is going besides Trevor Bauer. 
Does he even know yet? I think he does. I think he's. I think he's still like he loves eating up like the offers and people wanting him. And I mean, that's the beauty of being one of the best players at your position and being. He's earned it. I guess. He's earned it. Um, I would love to see him in Los Angeles. I'm right there with you. And by Los Angeles, I mean the Angels. I should, I should make that note because the Dodgers are supposedly in the mix now too. Good. I'd love to see him in Los Angeles. I've been trying to get Mike Trout to the playoffs for years now. That would certainly help that um, that whole case. They did add Jose Quintana, which is a good start for their rotation. Sure. Really good lefty arm. You if had he can Trevor- get back to what he was, absolutely. So if you had Trevor Bauer in there. Quintana gets that sinker, hard slider, very good changeup going. Mm-hmm. It's all about control for him and health. Because mm-hmm. he's not going to blow your doors off. He's going to pitch probably 93. And just miss barrels. That's how he's going to do so. This isn't about Jose Quintana. Sorry, I could just start talking about pitching repertoire right now. It's quite okay. I forgive you. Our next one. This one's probably more for you because it's a Red Sox question, and you were a Red Sox. For those that don't know, Will Middlebrooks was a Boston Red Sox. If you didn't, yeah, right behind him, those jerseys that he's pointing at. (laughs) What do you think so far of the Red Sox moves? Uh, They've added... Uh, Hunter Renfro, they just made the deal for Adam Adovino. They added Kike Hernandez. So minor moves. What are your initial thoughts on the Red Sox? Minor moves, yeah. I'm uh, I'm a little confused by Bloom. I can't decide. I don't know if he knows which direction he wants to go. Do you want to rebuild? Do you want to compete? I think he's leaning more towards, you know, building the system. Um, I like the Adovino move and taking on the money, I think, was end up ended up being like eleven million. Is that right? Ten and a half because of the signing bonus plus the salary. The the salary. It's of eight. around there. I don't know. It's at least eight million dollars. Yeah. Um, which they can handle right now, but they're gonna trade him. All right. If they're not competing, they did not get him. Like if he if and I think he's gonna be a closer. He because that gives him more value at the trade deadline mm-hmm. because contenders need shut down players. If he's a closer for the Red Sox, that gives him more value. Even if another team wants to put him as an eighth inning setup guy, um, it still gives him more value for trade and they can flip him for a couple good prospects, which Chime uh, Bloom is all about, is building a system. We saw that in Tampa. So um, I think that's a good move. Kike, I think he is going to be a stud getting to play every single day because he was a stud and he was a backup. He was a utility player. And I think he's going to have a chance to play every day in Boston. I think he's going to have a chance to play second base every day. He's an exciting player. There's not a moment too big for him. He's exciting. He's that personality. And the Boston fans are going to love him if he plays well. <laughs> um, and then the Garrett Richards, I like that. He was on our underrated uh, list of pitchers. He leads the league in spin rate, which is a big deal. Love me, Garrett. Uh, because that, I mean, yeah, once you start spinning the ball, you're, that means you're getting more break. It means your fastball has more ride through the top of the zone, which in the launch angle era that we're in right now, you want to miss bats at the top of the zone because everyone's trying to swing up. So you go 95 plus with high spin rate on a four-seam fastball, you got a really good chance of swing and miss at the top of the zone. So I like Garrett Richards a lot. I faced him. He's got good stuff. I like where he was at with the Padres. He looks really good. I think he's going to be a good addition to that team as well. Yeah, it's just about health. We've talked about this before on the show. Yep. You mentioned spin rate. That leads me into my next question. Oh boy. Okay, so we talked about we talked about a little bit before, especially offline. But what are your thoughts on pitchers being able to use grips or substances oh, out on the mound? Because this okay. is it's really complicated. It is very complicated because as a hitter, when it's in New York in April. It's still going to be 30, 40 degrees at times. That makes it really hard to grip a baseball. As hard as they are now and as low as the seams are now, (laughs) I don't want to get hit in the neck with 98 (laughs) or the face this region. All right. Um, It doesn't feel very good. It doesn't feel good to get hit in the butt with 98, much less, you know, your face. Um, So I'm all about guys having something to grip the baseball, especially whether it's sweat, whether it's cold, whatever hurts your grip on the baseball. I want you to have a little bit of grip, but if you, I've talked to some pitchers about this. I'm not going to put any names with it because that's not who I am. I'm not throwing guys under the bus, 
I had pitchers tell me it's not about control, which kind of blew my mind because I thought, you know what? If it's about control, I'm all for it. I'm on board with it. Look, control means you're throwing the ball over the plate. It means I can hit it. All right. He told me that wasn't the case. He said you could get two, 200 to 400 more RPMs on your pitches, on your fastball with a certain amount of stickum. So spin. Spin. So now I got to thinking, wow, if that's the case, like this is an issue because like I just said about spin rate on fastballs at a four seam at the top of the zone, you add 300 RPMs to that, that is now a foul ball or a swing and miss. You take away the RPMs, maybe it's a homer. Maybe it's a double. It's a big difference in two to 400 miles or RPM. Okay, let me, let me play devil's advocate. Hitters are allowed to use pine tar. Hitters are allowed to use batting gloves. Why aren't pitchers allowed to use something out there on the mound? Like I said, if it's control, that's fine. But it, if it allows you to manipulate the baseball more, that's, I feel like that's an unfair advantage. Me having pine tar on the bat doesn't help me hit the ball better. It helps me from throwing the bat in the stands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, so, so my thing with this, with the substance thing is uh, people overdo it. People, certain pitchers, the Pineda thing, we were talking about this online. You were part of that oh, yeah. game when yes. Pineda had all the pine tar. He had like a full rack of pine tar on his right. neck, dude. That was so, awful. Some people abuse the rule and I don't, and the problem is that some umpires don't always enforce it. So I think what you need to do, what Major League Baseball needs to do, is you have certain substances, substances, excuse me, that are allowed. Uh, however, you want to determine what's allowed, what's not allowed, you figure that out, and you have to enforce the rule. And so when you see someone pine tar, bye, see you later. All right, uh, guys aren't going to really use pine tar. Pine tar is not really like what guys go to anymore because the color, the color, the color is different. So you can see it. So guys, the main thing guys use, which I think is okay, rosin mixed with bullfrog or or, uh, sunscreen. Mm -hmm. You see like guys have like white marks on their arms uh, and they, and they always go to their arm and touch their arm. And I always put the rosin on their, on their forearm. Well, they have sunscreen on that as well. And that makes a really sticky substance. It's not super sticky. It's not uh, like really sticky stuff that a lot of guys use. Um, And, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with you having a little bit of control and, and grip. That's cool. The issue with them saying you can use this, but not that. How are you going to police it? Mm-hmm. You saw the thing with Bubba Harkins, uh, the 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 clubhouse manager for the Angels that was making his special substance for the players or whatever. Like that's not bullfrog and rosin. I don't know what it is, but obviously that was too far. But how are you going to police that? You can't. So if you even give them an inch on that and say, oh, yeah, like you can use something, guys are going to go far and beyond to get more out of it. That's baseball. That's professional sports. Guys are always going to try to get a leg up. Agreed. I think if you provide something, it's kind of like we're getting a little dicey here. It's almost like drugs. If you give them an alternative, maybe they'll stop doing the really hard stuff. You know what I mean? So it's like it's like giving like some type of like mental clarity medicine instead of guys taking Adderall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just, like some type of lesser. Yes. I don't know. And make and make it to where it's freaking pink, so you know if they're going to their arm is if they're not going to their arm and their arm's not pink, they're not using the the approved stuff. Is that a Rolex, Danny? <laughs> this podcast doesn't pay me enough to buy a Rolex. <laughs> All right, last, last, is. <laughs> last one. For, I didn't play in the pros like you will. I uh, did last just one. a little bit. I tricked them for a few years. <laughs> Who are your breakout players? This is the last one. We'll get to AJ Preller. Breakout players in 2021. What's your breakout hitter, breakout pitcher? Oof. Hmm. I'm thinking. I'm going to go... Well, okay, you brought the Red Sox a minute ago. Let me think about the Red Sox. Bobby Dahlbeck, first baseman, third baseman, originally a third baseman, stupid, stupid pop, like crazy pop. I hit with this kid. Um, I was training in Scottsdale, and he came in the cage with us when he just – it was like his first – after his first full year of pro ball, he you know got drafted, he played at Arizona, and I hit in the cage with him, and just a beautiful swing. 
Like this was when people were just starting to talk about launch angle and getting on plane with the baseball. And he just naturally does that. Mm-hmm. And I love his swing. And I tell you the ball, it sounds like a gunshot when he hits the baseball in the cage. It is awesome. So he had a lot of swing and miss last year. He struck out at like 40% there for a little bit. Um, but that was just a learning curve to the big leagues. Honestly, I think he's going to be just fine. He's a really good hitter. His last two years in the minor leagues, he hit 59 or 60 homers total. Um, just a good player. And I think he's going to be a good defender at first base, too. It's a natural third baseman. All right. They have Devers over there. And I think he'll play a lot of his – I think uh, Bobby will play most of his innings at first base. And that's a really athletic first baseman. Mm-hmm. I've played third. I've played first. I loved playing first base. It felt easy to me. You don't have to catch the ball and throw it. You just got to knock it down and tag the bag or flip it to the pitchers. Not that big of a deal. It almost felt like a day off mentally for me. So I think that's going to help him at the plate when he's spending a lot of time at first base. Um, as far as pitchers go, I'm going to go to the Nationals, uh, Joe Ross. Okay. He uh, sat out last year because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So he's going to have a very, very fresh arm. Um I don't think it's going to affect him that he missed a year. I think it's going to be good for him. Kind of clean it out mentally, clean it out physically, get in really good shape. You know he's still been throwing. Um, I'm buddies with his brother, Tyson Ross, who I played with. That was my dog. He said hello. I don't know if you could hear that (laughs) right outside my door. But um, I love his arsenal. You know, he's going to pitch it 94, 95, 93 to 95. He's got some good sink. He's got a hard slider. Just like one of his teammates, oh, Max Scherzer, ever heard of him? He's been sitting on the bench watching baseball games with Max Scherzer, Strasburg, Annabelle Sanchez, like all these studs who've been around the game for a long time. So he just sits there and soaks it all up because this is a really smart kid. Mm-hmm. I've talked to Tyson about him. He he loves to learn the game. He loves to get better. And I think he breaks out this year. I like those two picks. I do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with pitching first. I'm going to go with Michael Lorenzen of the Cincinnati Reds. Because if they're going into a new direction, um, obviously Bauer's probably leaving. He's going to be on his way out. There have been certain pitchers from Cincinnati that have uh, been floated in trade rumors from Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo. That's going to open up a spot for Michael Lorenzen. He's been working with Derek Johnson, the ex-Bandy pitching coach turned um, turned Major League Baseball coach. He's supposed to be the guy when it comes to pitching. We We had him in Milwaukee. Guy's a stud. And, and Lorenz has been working with him. Uh, he's been, I've been watching his workouts on Instagram. Dude's working his tail off. So I got Michael Lorenz and he's going to figure it all out in 2021. That's my breakout candidate. And How many gonna, homers does he hit? He's not. Well, if there's, if there's a universal DH, probably not too many, but if uh, not, I could see him, I could see him playing some outfield in DH and pinch hitting. He did dude. He can hit. He can. hit, <laughs> And he's got the biggest biceps in the league, dude. He's yeah. jacked. All right, moving on. Yeah, dude, don't interject me again, bro. I'm sorry. <laughs> last one is, uh, or not last one, but my breakout hitter, Austin Kim of the Padres. And oh, that's how, and that's how I'm going to transition into our conversation because we're going to talk to Padres general manager, the general manager for Austin Kim, coming up next on the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Welcome back to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. We're joined by San Diego Padres general manager, AJ Preller, who's been at the forefront of it all throughout this free agency process, this whole offseason. Padres are making moves. Let me start by asking you this, AJ. How awesome is it? Because 
Will played in San Diego. I lived in San Diego. We know how hard times have been in San Diego baseball-wise. You've been at the forefront of this entire evolution and transformation of that franchise. How special is it for you to be the leader of bringing baseball back to San Diego? I, mean, I think you know, I think you guys know San Diego is a you know it's it's a obviously it's a great baseball city. It's a great city in general, but you know it's uh, you know the only major sports team in town is the Padres. Southern California, you know, pretty much the baseball mecca right now. I think. Uh, you know, baseball crazy. Um, and I think we saw it a little bit even last year, even without the fans being able to be at the ballpark, you know, winning that series against the Cardinals in the playoffs, the, the gas lamp district was going crazy. I mean, the fans have been waiting for this for, for a long time and they're hungry. You know, they've, they've been the world series Padres, you know, 84 and 98, um, you know, but, but in general, I think they're really excited about the team. It's just fun to see a, a fan base. that's really baseball crazy in the region. that's baseball crazy. Uh, getting really excited about their team. Yeah, so we can rewind back to 2015 when I was there, and I was a very, very small piece of revamping that that uh, ball club back in 2015. We brought in Matt Kemp and Justin Upton and Shields, Derek Norris, all these players to to rebuild that team. Uh, I think my biggest question is going into 2021. What did you take away from that year? Because we didn't have the most success clearly uh, and, and coming into this year as loaded as you are, did you take anything from 2015 as a GM to help you moving forward this year? Yeah. I, each, each situation's different. I think 2015 was a lot different. I think, you know, in 2015, we, we had a situation where we had Andrew Kashner, Tyson Ross, uh, Ian Kennedy. We had three, you know, established starters. And honestly, I think the, uh, the initial game plan was to look at, at potentially moving those guys. And when we, when we talked to other teams about them, they didn't really have the market that we thought would have made sense for us to move them. So we saw some deals that we looked up and said, you know what, like, um, you know, in general, let's just try to take a shot with, with, uh, you know, in, in the near term to contend and let's see if we can make some trades for some now big league ready pieces that were very talented. Um, you know, and ultimately, you know, like you said, the pieces didn't quite fit together. We had a lot of holes on the club. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is like the foundation for like what, what, what will be successful teams year in, year out wasn't really built. So I think we were trying to, to take a shot in the short term to be competitive. Uh, but the game plan from day one, me getting this job, I think, you know, bringing, bringing our staff in place was you got to have a strong farm system. You got to have a ton of talent in the organization. You got to have that foundation in place. So whatever happened in 2015 in terms of the success of the big league club, and I think we were obviously hoping to you know, play in the postseason and have a successful club, and we felt like we were talented. We knew the heavy lifting was going to be done in the, in the out years, and it was going to be done in the draft, international trades, et cetera. So you know, I think a lot of people look at that, and they try to compare the two seasons. It's honestly night and day just because you know, I think for, from you know, that's, that's really what the last four or five years has been about. And these pieces now are like designed to go with a team that's already been one of the more successful teams in baseball last year to try to help us get further than, than where we ended up last year and get better. Whereas there, we were trying to kind of jumpstart something that, you know, had not been, you know, they had not been successful for a while. So it was, you know, two different situations, honestly. Let me ask you this. When you made that trade with Chicago to get Fernando Tatis Jr. over, did you have any idea what kind of player you were getting? Uh, yeah, we did. I mean, our staff felt like, you know, they, they felt like, honestly, he was a guy with, with big upside, big talent. He could be a game changer for the organization. Um, you know, they felt like that was the, the, the potential. Um, you know, our staff, Pete Young on the pro scouting side, he's our director of pro scouting. He had done a great job. We had some history with Fernando from his amateur days. So we had seen him, you know, from when he's 14, 15, 16 years old. So we had an idea about what, you know, what he could be. Um, and then I think what we did was we passed that on to our pro scouting department led by Pete, had some different guys go in there and take looks, uh, Nick Ennis, some other guys. And they came back and said, look, this guy has, he hasn't played a professional game yet. So obviously, you know, you're, you're projecting. Uh, but that's, you know, that's ultimately what, what we ask our scouts to do. And, you know, they said, look, in terms of every box you want to check from an ability standpoint and an instincts and the way he played the game standpoint with excitement, that was there. You know, even though he was playing, you know, extended spring training games on a backfield in Arizona, that was there, you know, to predict and say, hey, is he going to be a top five player in the game or a potential MVP? You know, obviously that's you never really know that when you draft somebody or, you know, or uh, or, or trade for somebody. But he was a guy that our scouts had indicated was a high impact player that could be could be somebody that could get this thing turned around. So that that was that was the evaluation that our group had on him. So staying on the subject of acquiring players, Blake Snell, you Darvish, two guys that you went out and got to to really build your staff around. Um, obviously, you have Clevenger on the DL. He'll be back next year, hopefully, and you guys are going to be loaded there. But as far as Blake Snell goes, how available was he? 
was, is this some, someone you had your eyes on, you were in talks with, or did this have something honestly to do with the postseason and him being pulled early? Do you think that played into anything with the chemistry between him and management in Tampa Bay to part ways? Or is that something you just don't even know? Or, you know, I don't, I'm just being curious about that. Yeah, we, I don't really know, you know, like exactly what, what the thinking was. I think for us, like when we started the offseason, you know, we knew, you know, with the Clevenger injury and Lamette not ending the year, you know, pitching for us, I think we had a couple of question marks that we wanted to fill, um, you know, and, and anytime you're talking about some of the best pitchers in the game, you know, Snell was one of those guys that was kind of at the top of our, our you know, possibility list going into the offseason. And then just naturally, you know, we had those conversations with Tampa. We've had, you know, we've made a couple of trades with Tampa the last few years. We did the Pagan Margot deal last year, and then the Fam Cronenworth for for X Edwards and Renfro deals. So we have a good relationship with that, you know, with their front office. They're easy to talk to, and and really just from the beginning, kind of as you as you make those calls, canvassing the league. Uh, he was the guy that we thought maybe, and I think more so not because of the postseason. I think it was just because. You know, he's getting to the, you know, to he's got three years left on the contract, he's making a little bit more money. Um, and, you know, Tampa, we know, like, ultimately they're, they're you know, they're, they're going to continue to look for young, talented, upside players. We knew they liked quite a few guys in our system. And I think it was more of a case of, you know, they we had a player uh, or a group of players, but especially with Luis Patino that they had targeted for the last few years in some of our conversations. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, we, we felt like Blake's a front of the rotation type talent that fit in really good with our with our current club, especially with a multiple year window that we're going to have them for. So, you know, I, I don't know how much the postseason played into them and their decision, uh, but I do know from our early conversations, it felt like maybe, you know, this is something they may consider, uh, but we knew it was going to be a hefty price. And, uh, you know, ultimately, as we kept talking, you know, we, we you know, we, we lined up. And I think the biggest thing is when you have somebody that somebody wants and you have young talent that's the greatest currency in the game today. And I think that that's the reason why they ultimately got motivated to try to move him. You mentioned that Blake Snell was on your guys' list of possible available players. How much of everything that's gone on this offseason was manifested a plan? It was a manifested plan as opposed to for agency has been really slow. The top domino you can make the case, Trevor Bauer is, is being very patient in his process. How has that impacted how you guys went about your business this offseason? How has Trevor Bauer being patient and other pitchers, other free agents available, them being a little bit slow in the process, the unknowns of 2021, how did that impact your guys' decision-making this offseason? Yeah, I think each year is different. Each market moves a little bit different every offseason. I think last year, you know, everybody kind of got done right around the winter meetings, maybe even before, and it was kind of a flurry activity then. So I think you have to kind of read that. I think for us, it was more a matter of, again, having having young talent that that team's valued, having depth in, in, in your system. So, you know, like, uh, you know, we felt like ultimately, um, you know, we were we were trading from a position of strength and we felt like, you know, we still, you know, we're not we felt like ultimately we still have one of the best farm systems in the game. So I think that that lined up in terms of like the time frame for it, you know, did it that that's teams were ultimately, um, you know, kind of, it looks like kind of waiting for the, for the market to establish itself, uh, you know, and, and did that factor into our decision? I, I think it more, more so it's just, we felt like we lined up with good trades that, that made sense for us. Um, you know, and the timing of it kind of was the timing of it. So I, I don't, you know, I think from that standpoint, you know, a little bit of, in terms of the, you know, the, the planning and everything like that, I think we felt like because we're a competitive team with a deep farm system, we were going to have a lot of options maybe the slow market helped us move a little quicker than, uh, than, than some other teams and made us you know, able to connect on those deals. But again, I think it was more so a matter of having talent that people wanted and a team and, and an ownership group that wanted to continue trying to build a championship club. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're loaded. I mean, you're talented. At what point are you comparing yourself to or measuring yourself next to LA to the Dodgers? Because that's in my opinion, obviously your, your biggest competition within the division. So, um, I know there's a lot of pressure there to beat them and to win the division and get back to the postseason, um, which possibly is going to be a regular structured postseason this year. So it's going to be a lot tougher to get in. At what point are you looking at lineups, looking at rotations and, and comparing them with, with LA? Yeah. I mean, I think, again, like I think to, you know, you, you want to be the best, you've got to beat the best. And uh, the Dodgers are clearly the best team in, in, in our league, our division, and probably all of baseball. Obviously they were last year. So, you know, again, it's a big challenge. They've got a great organization. They're very well run. Uh, they've got phenomenal players, top to bottom, depth, quality, star guys. 
Um, so I, I think that helps us because in, in a way, like, you know, it's again, like we're going to be battle tested. And I think, you know, when you, when, you know, it's just like anything, when you, when you play against the best competition, whether that's the AL East from a lot of years with the Yankee Red Sox, you know, battles going back and forth. I think it raises your bar. You know, I'm sure you saw that well when you were over there playing in, in those divisions, it helped, you know, it helps all the teams that are there. Um, you know, I think our group is, it's a very talented team. They have, they have a lot of fun, but I think what people don't see is that they work, you know, those guys work really, really hard. Like our guys, and they love the game and they respect the game, you know? And I think for us, um, you know, there's respect for really a lot of, you know, a lot of those teams in the national league, you know, the Braves and the Dodgers were the, were the two teams that were, the, that were at the end playing. So that was, again, like, I think what we've talked about is we've got to get better. You know, we weren't good enough last year. We've got to get better. And, you know, for us, the team in the division right in front of us, um, you know, that's a team that's a real good measuring stick. Cause if you can play with them, you, you pretty much can play with anybody in the game these days. I think your offense was good enough. It was just your, your pitching was hurt. You know, and it came down to rotational depth with the with the structure of the postseason last year, and you, you clearly added a pitching depth. So I think you guys are going to be just fine. Yeah, I think just like you said, I think we we all would have would have loved to see what happens with Clevenger with Lamette healthy. You know, and and uh, you know, obviously at the end it was a scramble. I think it was a testament to the to the depth and quality of our staff that we were able to get through that Cardinal series and you know play a competitive series against the Dodgers, but ultimately. You know, I think what we've tried to do with the Musgrove deal, with some other moves we've had, some of the other young players coming up is, you know, if we do have an injury or two, which which is, you know, usually unavoidable and, uh, you know, disappointing that we've got enough depth that we're, we're not in a similar position next year. And you know, that's that's really you know part of the part of the mindset behind some of the moves this offseason. Can you provide any update on Nelson Lament? How's he feeling? Is his arm feeling better? Is he back growing? Do we have any idea where he's at? Yeah, you know, I saw him a couple of weeks ago in the Dominican. He was, you know, he's he's a workout warrior. He's a, you know, one of these, uh, you know, seven days a week. He's he gets after it. He, he pushes himself, you know, from a training standpoint. He was, you know, again, he's in a really good spot in terms of being ahead of probably even last year's pace. But everything they put in front of him so far, uh, he's been, you know, he's throwing program. Uh, you know, where his arm health is, he's been throwing bullpens. All of those so far have been good. I think he's actually put a few of them on his uh, on the on, on the internet. I've seen pop up in the last couple of days, um, but I think we're realistic. Like you know, I think for us, it's it's going to be get into spring training. You know, until he really is able to take the ball and and you know and, and throw it at, at uh, you know a top effort in a game situation, come back, you know, and throw his bullpen, come back throw five days later, and just keep repeating that process. You know, I think we're gonna we're gonna see where it goes. But I think the good news is the doctors agree, the trainers agree that. You know, they feel like he's in a really good place. And so far, his body and his offseason has been very good. He's throwing bullpens and should be full go for spring training. Yeah, that's exciting. I mean, be able to have a guy like Lamette as your number, probably number three, and then fast forward a year, maybe number four. <laughs> that's that's a little ridiculous. Um, obviously, I mean, you guys would be sitting pretty on the pitching front. It's, that's exciting to see. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Lamette is probably one of the most underrated guys in the game from last year. You know, I mean, I, I, people are realizing, honestly, he's – if the season had kept going, he was they stay healthy. I think he would have gotten even more and more consideration for Cy Young type possibility. It's you know, he's got the obviously the fastball slider combo that's that's devastating. His command continues to get better. Uh, he's a big time competitor. And again, I think what we've tried to do is you know like anything every, every day when you open the paper when you when you look at the matchups that day, we feel like we've got a guy that can that can win that ball game and can pitch in the front part of a rotation. So. You know, again, it's, you know, whether Lamette's the three or Paddock's the one or, you know, Snell is the two. Ultimately, it's like, you know, just let these guys go and compete against each other, honestly, and, and go out and put zeros on the board and, and every night have a chance to win a ball game. That's, that's what we've tried to do. So a report came out that the Cactus League has asked Major League Baseball to possibly delay the start of spring training. Have you heard anything differently in regards to when we should expect players to be reported? No. Yeah. We, we've, you know, really, I think we're just, we're just kind of waiting, waiting to hear what happens from the league and the union. And then obviously, you know, the, the local governments and, and the city. So I think uh, from our standpoint, we did a really good job last year of being flexible and adapting and just being prepared for every possible scenario. I think we're in a similar boat this year. Unfortunately, I think it's, you know, there's a lot, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, I think everybody obviously this whole year has had to be flexible and be willing to, to make adjustments. And I know our group's going to be the same and yeah, don't, don't have any inside information. Just kind of waiting to hear, uh, Hey, what's the best thing for 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 the game and for those towns and for for you know for the individuals that are involved and go from there with it? Well, I have I, I could sit here and pick your brain all day, but I'll, I'll finish with one last one. Have we seen the last of moves for San Diego going into twenty twenty one? Are we saying, look, we got Hudson Kim, we got Snell, uh, we got Darvish Musgrove, 
we got a good enough team for 2021 or can we see some more fireworks before opening day? Yeah. I mean, I think we're, we're always, you know, I think you're always searching to make your team better and always considering different possibilities. I do think in general, like the, the conversation for us, I think we feel like we have, you know, we've improved the rotation. We want to improve the, I wouldn't even call it the bench. We just want to improve the depth and quality of our position player team with guys that we feel like are regular type guys with a Hassan Kim, Jerkson Profar, Victor Caratini. Um, and now I think it's kind of sit back and see what presents itself. You know, I think we're, we're kind of in that area. You know, I think for us, like really the focus is, is probably shifting a little bit more to get ready for spring training with the current group we have. Um, but again, I think we'll be, we'll be open-minded. I think the cool part has been like, we've had a, we've had a lot of players here in the last couple of weeks, reach out to us and just kind of say like, Hey, this is a spot. This spot I'd love to be at. This is a spot, you know, cause like anything, players want to win, you know, they want to be part of something that's fun and, you know, an exciting environment. They want to win. And I think they've, you know, again, it's, it's nothing that, uh, you know, it's, it's really what the players have created. You know, they talk to each other and they talk to the Hosmers and the Machados and Tatis and on and on about what's the environment like when, and, you know, what's the coaching staff like, what's the city like, and, you know, we've had some guys reach out. So we'll be, you know, I think we'll be open-minded kind of see what's there. And, uh, but in general, we like, we like our group and we're excited to, to go, go, go get started. So I just have one more question. Um, so we still don't know if we're going to have the, the DH and the NL. Obviously, that's a topic of, of conversation. How much does that change your bench? How much does that change your idea of building a lineup? I know you have the Hosmer, you have Will Myers, you have guys who can fill that role. Will it be, uh, will you have just a DH or is it kind of a revolving door based on matchups and who's hot and who's feeling good at the time? Yeah, I think with our group, I mean, like, I think each team's a little bit different. I think with our group, like the way it's kind of played out is I mean, we have a lot of athletic guys that have some versatility. So, you know, I think in general, like the true kind of DH masher, middle of the order batter, you know, I think we have a lot of guys that could fill that. I think we've looked at that DH body if it comes to play. We can get, you know, we can get, especially in a 160 game season, we can get some of our main position guys a day off their feet, but still keep the bat in the lineup. I think the value of like Profar, Nola, Caratini, uh, Cronenworth, Kim, these guys are shortstops originally, infielders originally that, you know, switch hit bats, guys that can play different spots. Um, so I think, again, we don't have to have that kind of set DH possibly. So I think we're good to go either way. You know, if the DH comes into play, you know, we'll have a, a bat that'll be representative from, you know, from a DH standpoint. Um, but if not, we have some versatile players that can play both sides of the ball and do different things. So again, I think that's, that's all part of what we try to do from a roster construction standpoint the last couple of months. I love what you said about it coming, you know, full circle, really, with players now wanting to play for San Diego, because that was not the case even two years ago, three years ago. So that's that's pretty great to hear. I know Padre fans are going to be absolutely psyched to hear that. We can't thank you enough. We know this is this is essentially the World Series for general managers and front office right now. This is crunch time. So we can't thank you enough for joining us today, AJ. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. Special thank you to AJ Preller for joining us. And I'm just going to lay it out here first. Obviously, he's created a monster of a lineup. And then now he's created a monster of a starting rotation. But the question becomes this, and you kind of asked it, you touched on this to AJ. Are they ready to compete for an NL West title? They're good. They got a whole lot of talent. I would make the case they are ready to compete for an NL West title. Do you think the Padres are ready to knock off the Dodgers, have the changing of the guard? Are they ready right now? Are they ready to compete or do I think they're, if they're going to win the division, is that which one are you asking? They oh. definitely are ready to compete. I mean, they competed with them last year and now they're even better. So yes, I think they have a very good chance to win the division and there's a lot of hype around them too. This is something is that people don't understand with players is even if like, if when I was with the Red Sox, even when the Yankees weren't like good, there was still hype around them and you feel that as a player. Like you go in there and there's like Jeter and Sabathia and Mariano and Pettit and these guys, you just see these names and you're like, Ooh, all right, we're going to have to get after today, boys and beat these. You know what I mean? Like the Dodgers feel that they know they're not alone on the top of the mountain anymore. As far as talent goes, because they were just outpaying everyone that they had the money and they got the best talent and that's how they were better. I mean, that's just how it works. Well, Padres are right there with them now. I think their rotation is better. I think their rotation will, especially with a healthy Lamette, he's going to be their number three, man. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what order. They'll probably have some crazy order they analytically will do to match up the start of the season. I don't know. But 
like Lamette is their number three. And then you fast forward to 2022, Clevenger's back. Is Lamette your number four? I like they're insane. And then they're gonna have the, you know the young kids coming up with Gore and, and those guys and they're good with their lineups good, but Tatis, Hosmer. Oh, don't forget to have Manny Machado. He gets over he's starting to get overshadowed because Tatis is insane. Mm-hmm. They're they're really good. Don't even sleep on like guys like Tommy Pham and Will Meyer. Will Myers had a really good year last year. Does he continue that? They're gonna be a really, really dangerous team. As of right now, I think they're a better team than the Dodgers. However, yeah, the so, Dodgers have a lot of question marks. That so that's where I'm getting at. Okay. We don't know what we're going to get out of Kenley Jansen. They did do a good job of sharing up their bullpen. They brought back Trine and brought over uh, Cork Nabel. Yeah. Um, but where they lost, where they had big losses is their depth. The Dodgers, for the last however many division titles they've won, they were really known for their depth. Not only in pitching, but lineup-wise. They really rely on matchups. They lost Kike. They don't know if they're going to have Justin Turner back. And Jock wow. Peterson is likely going to go elsewhere. He could right. come back. That's true. Uh-huh. That. And these are leaders. These are not just like numbers that are being put up. Like these are leaders in a clubhouse that shape the the chemistry of a team and the makeup of a team. So that it goes beyond what they do on the field. And so for that reason, I think the Padres are better right now. However, one trade for Arenado or one trade for or right. one big. They're going to do something. They're, they're going to do something because they're the Dodgers, and they just like I asked AJ, are you paying attention to what the Dodgers are doing? The Dodgers are definitely paying attention to the Padres because the whole baseball world is. So I'm fired up, man. I can't, I can't wait for this season to get going. The Padres haven't earned the right to call it a rivalry yet, but it's start. These are how rivalries there were some fireworks last year. Now there were. there were some fireworks last year. I, man, I know I just said it, but I'm, I'm so excited. Not just for NL West games, but like have a full season of baseball. Start to get some fans back in the stands. Start to get like normalcy. $47 beers at the park. I'm excited to just get back to baseball, man. It's This offseason has felt so long because we didn't have a regular season last year. So the offseason is just dragging by. And there's still a lot of question marks. We hit on the DH. We hit on uh, the delayed start. Just Let's just get it going. Let's start tomorrow. Well, let's, uh, let's kick it in the action <laughs> starting after today let's do it again next week shall we all right sounds good bud i'm in all right thanks for joining us on the fantasy baseball today podcast will be back with you next wednesday adios homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping it's never just about the house or condo it's about the home And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.